0: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts.
1: Thank you, sir, and a pleasant good afternoon. Welcome, welcome on board this Thursday edition of Lifeline for the 1st of March. I get that right? It's the 1st of March already. Wow. Great way to lead off a brand-new month, and what better place to be than the annual bass church workers convention held annually here at redwood chapel in castro valley three solid days jam-packed with all kinds of great information workshops breakout sessions keynote sessions as well the general sessions in the evening and what a lineup of speakers last night of course we had a chance to meet one of the speakers uh, pastor renee scheffler senior pastor at twin lakes church he'll be speaking tonight at 7 p.m then tomorrow night my good buddy Bishop Jackson, Bob Jackson from Axeville Gospel Church of Oakland will be the keynote speaker. And then, if that isn't good enough, not great enough, they're going to wrap things up with the next general session, which will be Saturday morning. That'll be March the 3rd, 9.30 a.m. And Pastor Brian Loritz from, uh, I almost said Axe, from Mm -hmm. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View. Wow, what an amazing Bay Area lineup. And, of course, this really is an event Put on by the Bay Area for the Bay Area for the benefit of helping to better exhort, equip, engage, and encourage folks that are involved in Bay Area ministry. And to give us an overview of what's going to be happening here over the course of the next three days, we are joined by the senior pastor of Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley and the the general chair, Pastor... Jeff Miller, welcome. Thanks, Good to Greg. see you again.
0: Good to see you as well. You've
1: been very busy getting ready for this as you annually do, and uh, this is really a, a gathering of folks that's it's kind of a cross-section, I guess, from, from uh, the issue of both denominationally speaking, the size of churches, you've got literally new church plants that are coming here to get educated and folks that have been involved in church ministries and may be involved in, in so-called mega churches for years and years just about every breadth and depth and shape and size the people involved in ministry both professionally and as lay are involved in this event
0: that's true and we love that about bass it draws the entire christian world from the northern california area across the east bay uh, to the bass convention and uh, we have a number of people one of the things that i love about bass is that it particularly ministers to some of the smaller urban churches around the area. Some of the leaders of those churches don't have the opportunity to get training from national conferences, and so we do the best that we can to put on a conference right here in the Bay Area that they can come. It's very accessible. It's very affordable. You pay one price as a church and bring all the volunteers you want from your church it's a very unique model, but it's worked for us for a long time, and we're happy to be able to do it again this year.
1: Fifty years more and 55. going. Fifty-five years now. And uh, it's exciting to see over the course of those years the way this has expanded in terms of the breadth and depth of the nature of the kinds of ministries. Right. I would imagine in the early days it was focused almost primarily on Sunday school ministry.
0: That's right. That's what BAS stands for. It was, the, it was the Bay Area Sunday School Convention, and the primary focus was on Christian education for, for children, for students, and for young adults. That was the, the original intention of the Bass Convention. That did change a couple years ago, though. That has
1: morphed pretty significantly. It Give has. us kind of an overview. When we talk about church ministry, church workers, uh, what exactly does that encompass?
0: Really, it encompasses just about anything that you could do in the life of a church. So it could do anything from music ministry, college ministry, uh, young adult ministry, uh, student ministries, pastoral ministry. Uh, women's and men's. So there's there's different tracks, workshops that are available. We should talk about that a little bit tomorrow and Saturday all day. We have different workshops, over 200 workshops that are available over the course of two days uh, and give people an opportunity to come and get training in specific areas of ministry that they might have interest in.
1: And you've got some pretty spectacular people in addition to the keynote speakers that I mentioned a moment ago. Pretty spectacular individuals that will be conducting many of these workshops. So it's an opportunity for those involved in lay ministry to come and really learn about best practices, rub shoulders with other folks that are in the trenches doing the work, talk about what seems to be working real well and what might be a great idea to consider next. And so in that regard, it's both educational, but it's also exhortational, too.
0: It is. And uh, that's, that's part of the joy of of gathering people together is not only do we want them to be trained. You see the, the key words on our brochure here. We want them to be trained, but we do want them to be equipped. We want them to be inspired, and the connection with other churches is important as well. So we see friends that come back to the Bass Convention year after year after year, and we meet brand new people who are new to to the area and new to this convention. Um, I think I checked registration a couple hours ago, and we had 238 individual churches that had already registered to come and be a part of this weekend.
1: One of the things that strikes me about the atmosphere here is the fact that folks that are coming oftentimes from new church plants or from smaller ministries who kind of toil out there in the fields, but, you know, they're dedicated, they're hardworking, but they're also feeling very alone. Mm -hmm. And they come to an event like this, and all of a sudden they see other people that
0: are doing the same thing, and they they feel tremendously encouraged by that. I hope so. Um, I tell our team as we're preparing for this conference, I have two objectives. Number one, I want God to get glory in everything that we do. And number two, I want the people who come here who are constantly pouring out from themselves, as ministers often do, building in other people's lives giving of their time and energy. I want them to be filled up at this conference. So we do a, as but as, as good a job as we can to encourage everybody who comes here. We might sit down and just give them a word of encouragement. We might pray for them. We might send them to a workshop that's going to be particularly helpful for them. But our goal is that when people leave, that they leave being filled up by what they experienced here at the Bass Convention.
1: And in addition, I think, to that exhortation and um, spiritual dynamic, there's also a lot of nuts and bolts practical teaching that goes on here. Sure. I think about the fact that just earlier today you had a special workshop leading off the convention with Dr. Chitwood yes. talking about best practices as it comes to IRS rules and regulations and making sure that a church's house is in financial order. That's so right. often we get volunteer treasurers and people that say, well, you know, I, I was involved in uh, keeping track of money when my child had a, a newspaper route. That's so right. I, I'm going to volunteer to be the church treasurer, not realizing a lot of the nuances that are involved that are necessary in order to protect the 501c3 of any church ministry. And so you led off with Dr. Chitwood and already a message to the pastors that were gathered in that meeting by Pastor Bob Jackson. Well, as you know,
0: so many pastors go into ministry because they love the word of God. They love the gospel. They love people and they want to minister in that way. But we're not equipped to know all the financial compliance laws and tax laws that are necessary. So someone like Dr. Chitwood, who's come with decades of expertise in that area, has been able to help resource some of these pastors and help them Already make some corrections to some of the practices that they were doing that could get them in financial trouble or otherwise, and so we want to make sure that that these pastors have the equipment that they need. And then we brought, as you mentioned, Bob Jackson came in in the afternoon. And as you know, uh, uh, Bishop Jackson is just a dynamic man who is passionate about evangelism and passionate about leadership development. And so he was able to take um, the, the morning was structured towards the organization of a church. The afternoon was structured towards the healthy organism of the church and making the church uh, have life in the, in its community. So this is a great this is a great morning already.
1: Great way to kick off the Bass Church Workers Convention here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. As we mentioned tonight, the keynote will be at seven p.m. and then workshops taking place throughout tomorrow, Friday, and into Saturday. Uh, tease a little bit if you would, Pastor Renee Scheffler. Um, From Twin Lakes Church down in Aptos,
0: he's going to be your your lead off speaker tonight. That's right. That's right. So um, came across Renee from some friends who are part of his church down in Aptos and uh, came highly recommended. And I had a chance to preview some of his ministry and some of his resources. He's got some resources here available. In addition to coming up himself, he also brought his worship team from his church. So they're here to be an encouragement to our people as well. Um, but Pastor Rene has a very um, very unique and very dynamic teaching style where he communicates very winsomely uh, to the congregation. I'm excited about what he's going to bring. It's a message on grace tonight, and uh, I think it will be a, an encouragement to all who are here.
1: Uh, a final thought. What strikes me about the lineup that you have, particularly this year in the keynoters, Where traditionally you brought in speakers from the outside, and I think sometimes folks can say, Well, that's all well and good, but of course he's got a mega church. He's working in Dallas, Texas. These are all men that are working right here in our own backyard. So if you want to understand, is it possible to, to really see a healthy, functioning church? that is doing something exciting for the Lord at a variety of levels and a variety of fashions. All of these men have churches right here in the Bay Area doing just that.
0: It's a great observation, and it was something that we were strategic about this year, wanting to have more local pastors uh, in the area for a couple of different reasons. One, we wanted them to be easily connected to so that we might have pastors from churches in their neighborhoods, and they can go to them as resources even throughout the year and be connected to them in some way. Uh, but also just to have exposure to, what the, to what, the, um, what the Lord is doing here in the Bay Area and how uh, churches are growing and moving and the kinds of things that are effective in this area, which is very unique from the Midwest or the South or some other portion of our country.
1: And, and the other irony is, well, folks are going to hear from three most dynamic Bay Area pastors in the next three days. They're also dynamic pastors on the national stage as well. They so are. it's exciting to have this caliber right here in the Bay Area and right here as part of this Bass Convention. Again, taking place tonight, 7 o'clock here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. You can get, get complete details and register online by going to bassconvention.org. That's Bass Convention o-r-g too late to register at all the folks want to come no way
0: walk up registrations are welcome so come on down to the campus or go online and register and then show up with your badge and uh, we'll let you in we'd love to have you come down
1: good stuff we invite you to come on down and be a part of this it's going to be not only a great educational time but a great time together in the word as well our thanks to pastor jeff miller who is also the general chair of this event Jeff, we appreciate the hospitality Thanks, as well. Craig.
0: Good to have you guys here. All right,
1: we're going to take a time out, and as we say goodbye to Pastor Jeff Miller, we're going to say hello to Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. He's going to give us a look at your Thursday ride to the Bass Convention. Hey, Michael, what's up?
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: And welcome back to our live broadcast from the Bass Convention, taking place here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. That's at nineteen hundred. Nineteen three hundred, get that right, folks. Roberts, uh, nineteen three hundred Redwood Road in Castro Valley. We'll of course be broadcasting live both this evening and tomorrow night as well. And the conference going in through Saturday afternoon. Complete details on the web at bassconvention.org. That's bass convention. Dot .org Well over the last 2 oh, my goodness at least uh, 30 days to maybe 60 days there's been a twitter and a buzz you've heard me talk about it repeatedly on this program about what's been going on on Wall Street. It's amazing to think that in the month of February alone not only did the Dow Jones Industrial Average experience its highest point ever but it also had the single highest drop in one day in the history of the Dow. And I know that there's a sense of fear and trepidation about all of this, and yet we recognize that we need to plan for retirement. It certainly can be challenging for all of us, particularly when you're trying to think about paying for a house in the Bay Area, a child's education. Oh, my goodness, now you have to set money aside for retirement to augment your Social Security. Oh, I'm on tilt. Too much to handle. Well, if it's difficult for you and me to handle from a layperson's viewpoint, imagine what a pastor is challenged by when you're trying to deal with pastoring a church, managing finances for the church, managing finances for your own family. And oftentimes, sadly, you'll often meet pastors who are working well into their 70s and 80s Even after their health has left them, and we all think it's because they love the ministry, don't get me wrong, they do, but sometimes they continue working well past their ability physically to do so because financially they simply have no other choice. It is a lack of planning at the core. Joining us now with some insights as to the whole issue of planning, and I want to say this, this conversation is apropos whether you're involved in full-time ministry, part-time ministry, or even lay leadership within the church, because what we speak of here not only impacts you directly, or it impacts your church, the pastor that you love, and your church's leadership. We're joined now by Reverend Augie Bow with MMBB Financial, and also by Reverend David Hinson. And guys, great to see both of you. Augie, let me start first with you. Um, You run into folks all the time, I know, that are trying to balance this arena of finances when it comes to full-time ministry and concerns about the church's finances. We have our building fund going on, all of this. And many pastors, the whole issue of retirement planning
2: is really an afterthought if they ever get to it at all. Why is that? It's because, especially in the Bay Area, like you alluded to, There are so many financial pressures on pastors and on people in general. Just housing prices are exploding through the roof. The cost of everything is just so expensive in the Bay Area as well as other large metropolitan areas. And for pastors especially, retirement seems so far distant. But our organization is here. We understand the pressures pastors are under. And we want pastors to get started with something. And the minimum for our retirement plan is only $50 a month. And sometimes pastors say, well, there's no way I can ever save what I need for retirement, which might be true, but at least start with something. Start with $50, $100, and maybe next year to goal is to make it 200 and then 300 And at least you're making some progress towards helping yourself for retirement. So we would love to help any pastor, any staff of church, Begin that long road, and we'll walk alongside them, help them figure out how to make it happen. David, there are
1: some unique aspects of this. When it comes to retirement planning for pastors, that's really different than anybody else. So to say, well, okay, as a pastor, I recognize I need to be saving for retirement, so I'm just going to go run down and open up an account at, uh, you know, uh, some big brokerage house and I'll be all set. But there really are some fine nuances here that pastors have to take into consideration even from the aspect of tax law, that's different from everybody else.
3: Well, that's true. The Ministers and Missionaries Benefit Board, whom we work for, uh, we offer 403B church retirement accounts. And it's very similar to a 401K. Most individuals are familiar with 401K savings accounts. But our accounts are certainly approved by the government as tax-deferred so that when individuals make contributions through their church, It's tax-deferred income. They don't pay taxes on it when it goes in. It grows tax-deferred, and actually it comes out uh, tax-free because we have a private letter ruling from the Internal Revenue Service that allows it to be considered as housing allowance. Wow. So as long as it's utilized for housing allowance purposes, then it's tax-free. So in that regard,
1: there are benefits there that even beat um, some of the tax shelters like a Roth IRA.
3: Well, I think that's true. One of the important equations we teach, and you alluded to this earlier, is uh, zero plus zero equals zero. So if you don't plan for retirement and you don't save anything, then you're not going to have anything to help supplement your Social Security when you come out.
1: Augie, is this a problem for pastors alone, or is this a point that churches need to be thinking of as well? And I ask that question because at the end of the day, yes, we know the pastor... Works for the Lord, serves the Lord, but he's called by a pulpit committee. He answers to a board of deacons. Uh, somebody's responsible for signing the check. I just wonder whether or not sometimes we people in the pews kind of drop the ball on this, think, well, this is
2: Pastor's problem, this is not ours. I think you're spot on that it should be a partnership between the pastor and the church. And if the church, under the guidance of God, has called this pastor, it seems appropriate for the church to take care of the pastor in terms of not only providing a salary for the pastor, but helping the pastor think of the future in terms of retirement down the road. And for our MMBB retirement plan, contributions could come both from the church in terms of a 403B plan and or from the pastor through payroll deduction. And in many cases, it needs to be both contributions, both coming from the church as well as coming from the pastor. to to make it possible for the pastor to retire like everybody else. And and I suppose
1: there was a day and an age where the casual approach to this was a lot easier. Uh, And by that, I mean, well, you know, pastor enjoyed living in the parsonage. There were certain financial benefits to working for a church. And so once they reached retirement, it wasn't as challenging today, though. That's changed, and it's changing pretty rapidly, particularly for folks that live here in the Bay Area. pastor suddenly finds himself at the point of retirement and realizes, my goodness, I can't afford to go out now that I'm no longer working for the church and no longer have access to the parsonage. I can't afford to go out and buy a house here, not at over a million dollars. So there's some pretty serious realities from an economic standpoint that both pastors and church congregations need to be considering particularly for
2: churches and ministries here in the Bay Area. Exactly. And the housing piece is one of the huge hurdles, not just for pastors, but for anybody living in the Bay Area. And in the past, as you mentioned, a lot of churches had parsonages which provided housing for pastors. Now most churches have sold their parsonage to generate more income for the church, just to sustain the church. And many pastors, frankly, can't afford to, to buy into the Bay Area housing market. MMBB, out of our staff, we have eight certified financial planners, including myself, for CFPs. So our services is not just taking retirement accounts, but helping pastors with comprehensive financial planning, looking at their holistic financial picture. And we have certified financial planners who could walk with the pastor and the spouse and figure out the entire picture in terms of housing, maybe creative ideas, such as Shared equity with the church, um, with kids approaching college or in college, ideas for financing college education. So part of our services is not just collecting and investing retirement funds, but helping the entire holistic financial picture. Four pastors and staff of churches. So in
1: addition to the expertise on the economic side of the equation, you mentioned being a CFP yourself, uh, certainly understanding the subtle nuances that are unique to retirement planning for those involved in full-time ministry. There are also some other benefits, aren't there? And I ask that because some people, when they think about investing, immediately think about, okay, now there's going to either be uh, advisory fees here, there are going to be brokerage fees here, and sometimes if you get the wrong guy and you get the wrong setup, what little you're making on the income side is all going out the back door through the brokerage fees.
2: I'll explain how much our expenses are. They're zero. Let me repeat that. The cost to the church and the cost to the pastor is zero. Did he say zero? Is there a problem with my headphones here? <laughs> no, no. You're, you're hearing it wow. loud and clear. And it sounds too good to be true. The reason we're able to offer our services for free, and we're a nonprofit Christian ministry, we've been around since 1911, is John D. Rockefeller. You're familiar with that name? In the 1920s, he gave $7 million to MNBB to create our endowment fund. Seven million is a lot of money today, but it was tons more back in the 1920s. Over time, our endowment has grown. Others have contributed to it. Now we have an endowment of about 150 million, and we take a draw a certain percentage each year for salary expenses. As a result, we're able to offer our services for free to churches and to pastors.
1: Wow, so already they're, they're money ahead.
2: By going through MMBB. Exactly. And there are plenty of great financial experts around, but most people charge a commission for their services. That's how people make a living. And for us, we have about 70 full-time staff working for churches and for pastors, and the cost is zero to the churches and to the pastors.
1: Now, in terms of investments, um, is much of what ends up being done obviously going to be unique? from pastor to pastor, situation to situation, as it would be for anybody. There's no such thing as one-size-fits-all retirement planning. But in terms of some of the choices that are made when you go into bonds and equities and mutual funds and all of that, uh, is a lot of that the same mechanism when it comes to planning for a pastor?
3: Well, we actually have nine different investment accounts that are available for the minister to choose. Uh, A large majority of ministers are not familiar with what financial opportunities are available, so many of our ministers actually put their money in our balance fund, which is 60 percent stocks, about 30 percent bonds, and then 10 percent that's a tactical asset allocation, and so about 80 percent of the ministers who are with MMBB Put their money in the balance fund and it's a forget about it and i'll come back and look at it 10 years from now and the assets that
1: are under management are being managed within within mmbb
3: that's correct but we have professional money managers we work with some of the largest banks in america and we uh, actually evaluate their performance and are certain that they're making as much money as possible for our members in that process being the son of a minister myself i grew up in church owned homes And one of the things we're also concerned about besides having that minister prepared for retirement is we also want to provide some adequate protection for that minister while he's in ministry through disability and through life insurance programs as well. So in our comprehensive plan, we have a disability option and also a life insurance option where there are benefits available to the family in case something were to happen to the minister. And I always say we need to be prepared for the unexpected. Uh, We never know what trials or struggles we might go through from a health perspective that may come our way unexpectedly. So we need to be prepared for that as well. So we want to be alert to the ministers' needs in a holistic way, is Augie has shared. And at
1: the end of the day, David, this is really about good, solid, responsible stewardship at a multiplicity of levels. And we're going to pick up that part of the conversation when we come back after a brief time out. Pastor Augie Bow is with us today, along with Reverend David Hinson. They are both with MMBB. Our conversation really pertinent to responsibilities of both pastors and the church to provide financially for pastor in a responsible and efficient manner, and take this seriously, which sadly not as many churches that should do. We'll get back to more of our conversation as our live coverage from the Bass Convention at Redwood Chapel in Castor Valley continues right after this. Oh, yes, indeed. Time for a look at traffic here. 5.33 on the clock, and the latest for you from the KFAX Traffic Center. We say good afternoon once again to Michael Bennett. Michael, how are we doing out there?
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right, welcome back to the conversation. 5.36 on the clock, and we're live coming to you from the annual Bass Convention here at Neighborhood Church in Valley. Castroval- I'm sorry, Redwood Chaplain, Valley Castroval- I had the right town, just the wrong church. Don't forget, tonight at 7 p.m., Renee Schleitler is going to be the keynote speaker, senior pastor from Twin Lakes Church in Aptos. We had a chance to visit with Pastor Renee a bit last night, and you're going to be in for an amazing message a lot of people that, that toil in the fields that after a while get a sense of sort of being uh, burdened and worn out and tired and no longer really understand or appreciate the totality of what ministry in grace is all about. He's going to share a message tonight that is very much a reminder of the importance of grace. And that'll be tonight at seven o'clock here at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. We continue our visit. We've asked uh, Augie Bao and David Hinson to stay on for another segment. We've been talking about responsible stewardship when it comes to financial planning. And this is an arena when it comes to pastors and those involved in full time ministry that's the responsibility of both pastors and churches. And of course, part of this is sort of demystifying the process, Augie, isn't it? Because as we kind of alluded to, and I think David did so even before the break, that oftentimes, pastors and churches and church boards kind of throw their hands up in the air and say, well, we don't get it, but, you know, pastor will figure things out somehow and we'll add another $250 to his salary every month and he can put that into a checkbook account or a passbook savings account and hopefully that'll do the job.
2: Yeah. um, For a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, things seem really complicated and it's hard to figure out. And we have one plan, which we call the comprehensive plan, which is almost like one-stop shopping in terms of benefits for pastors. The bottom line cost is 10% of the pastor's salary. If the pastor is getting 3000 a month, the cost of the comprehensive plan is only $300 a and month. And that
1: includes the financial planning, the, the disability insurance, the, the life, life insurance. insurance.
2: And the retirement plan. Wow. So one-stop shopping, you don't have to look at different vendors, pay all these commissions, pay these fees, wonder if the company's reputable. We've been around since 1911, and all our services are free. So with this comprehensive plan, pastors and staff of churches can get all these benefits, retirement, life insurance, disability, and the financial planning for free. And you've
1: just anticipated my next question, that this is not just for senior pastors, assistant pastors, anyone on the church staff, so that means the church secretary and others, if you're working for a church mm-hmm. or ministry organization, you can qualify to be a part of what MMBB offers.
2: Exactly. And it's full-time staff, part-time staff, any of the paid staff of Christian churches, as well as Christian nonprofit ministries. Um, I've personally signed up some, some of the schools, some of the preschools, community-based organizations, as long as they're Christian and non-profit any of the paid staff are eligible to participate in our plans.
1: One of the questions that often comes up, and I sort of alluded to this at the the start of our conversation today, the volatility that we've seen on Wall Street, and we know that you've got to be in in order to make some money, and yet people are always concerned about not just a return on principle but return of principle and, and protection of assets. Is MMBB able to offer pr- plans as well that have a, an added layer of safety to it? that would function almost like an annuity would?
3: Well, we do offer annuities, but they're variable annuities. And the guarantee that we offer is is if the stock market were to have a dramatic drop, your annuity payment will not go down more than 5% the very first year. And then the second year, if there's a continued decline, it won't go down more than 10%. So that gives you a soft landing in case there are dramatic swings in the stock market. Uh, one of the best things about MMBB that we can look back historically is during 2008, when there was a 43% drop in the stock market, our annuitants only lost 5% that next year. And most
1: people took haircuts in the 25 to 30% range. That, so, that, wow. That,
3: that's correct. And so, uh, MMBB is very solid financially. And again, we have a large endowment that assists us in that way. And we're also concerned that ministers have the knowledge that most certified financial planners tell you that you need to be saving between 12 and 15 percent of your income for about 30 years in order to have an adequate retirement. So it is a church responsibility as well as the minister's responsibility to have that conversation. I often talk about it being a love issue. If If you love your minister and you love the ministers who serve on your church staff you need to provide for them when they get to an age when they're no longer able to perform those duties
1: and isn't it equally key david whether we're talking about uh someone that's involved in a secular vocation or ministry vocation that time is really key and so don't think just because he's the youth pastor he's got plenty of years ahead of him and he'll work his way up the ladder eventually to senior pastor and then we'll set him no The sooner they start, the better.
3: That's correct. The time value of money is a wonderful concept, and it also means that the earlier you put money in, that money has the opportunity to grow interest the longest period of time possible.
1: Now, Augie, we've got folks listening from a broad variety of church backgrounds, church sizes. Some listening might say, Wow, you've really opened up my eyes, either I as a pastor or as a member of the board of deacons or a member of my church. We need to get serious about this. But I don't know. Are we too small? We only have a church of 200 people. Pastor doesn't make a lot of money. He's also a tent maker on the side. So is this really, in terms
2: of the services provided by MMBB, available to everybody? Um, Yes, yes, and yes. I've worked with churches with about 30 members, all the way up to maybe 7,000 members and points in between. And, in fact, um, David and I will be here this weekend at the Bass Convention. And if anybody's listening and they're coming to the Bass Convention, we have an exhibit. We'd love to meet in person, answer questions, see if we could be a help or blessing to your church or your nonprofit Christian ministry. And I would imagine, too,
1: you're happy to come out, set up an appointment, meet one-on-one discuss what the options are go over either the basic plan or the comprehensive plan with the pastor other staff members the board and I'm going to I'm just going to go out on a limb here but I'm going to take a wild guess and bet that there's no charge for that either
2: Exactly. So you don't let yeah, me down, yeah, Augie. Yeah. I
1: love it. <laughs> and, and, and I'm based right
2: here in Castle Valley, but I cover about 10 of the Western states as well as a few other states.
1: So, for folks to set up an appointment, I guess they can easily go to the website, mmbb.com.org. .org. .org. I'm or, sorry. Or, or, mm uh-huh. That's just, yep, you know, yep. force of habit here. Yep. Mmbb.org. That's yep. mmbb.org. Or you can call and make an appointment at 917 209 9911. Let me repeat that. and servicing all of the Bay Area, so they can call, they can make an appointment, they can go to the website, mmbb.org, make an appointment through the website as well, get you to come in, talk about the options, and get started.
2: Perfect. We would love to talk to anybody that's interested, either call or email, and you can get my email from our website. And amazingly, as we've mentioned
1: earlier, no cost or obligation for the consultation, no cost for the services. And with a history that's over a century long, it speaks very
2: highly of the organization. We love serving churches. I've been doing this 28 years, and we'll continue to do it for quite a few more.
1: And, you know, to, to conclude our conversation, I think it's important to underscore for the benefit of those listening, that this is a ministry organization that really has not only a passion for churches and pastors and, and church workers, but also an understanding of some of the unique challenges that are there and the unique opportunities, too. So, now that your interest has been piqued, I want to direct you once again to the website, mmbb.org, or you can call and speak with either Augie Bao or with David Hinson at area code 917209. Ninety-nine eleven. That's 917-209-9911. Augie, David, thanks for dropping by. Good to visit with both Thank of you.
2: Thank you. All Always right. great
1: to talk to you. You as well. All right, we're going to take a time out. Hey, let's talk real quick with Michael Bennett. Michael's going to chat with us about what's going on on your commute this Thursday from the KFAX Traffic Center.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: All right, welcome back to The Conversation. We're here at the annual Bass Convention in Castro Valley at Redwood Church and, of course, taking place tonight through Saturday. We invite you to get more information. You can log on and actually uh, sign up for the convention online at bassconvention.org or register here on site. PassConvention.org again at Redwood Chapel. That's 19300 Redwood Road in Castro Valley. Great keynote speaker tonight. And of course, uh, looking forward tomorrow evening to Bishop Bob Jackson from Maxville Gospel Church, who's going to be speaking. And then on Saturday, Saturday morning at 930 a.m., Pastor Brian Loritz, from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View will be the keynote speaker. So it's going to be a great opportunity, about 300 churches from across the Bay Area gathering to come, rub shoulders, encourage each other, share best practices and uh, you should be a part of it. So, again, details available on the web at BassConvention.org. We've had a chance to meet a number of ministries here uh, just the day that we've been broadcasting live at the Bass Convention. And uh, one of the ministries I'd like to introduce you to is an interesting one, and it's one with a passion for missions. And uh, for longtime listeners to this program, you know that I've always felt the church needs to take, here in America, a very strong role in supporting missions works uh, we have historically been one of the greatest uh, mission sending churches in the world the church in america and i believe that we need to continue to do that let's meet the founder of banjo bridge ministries his name is Jan- dan Johansson, and dan welcome to the program thanks for having me craig let's talk a bit about this ministry you are focusing in the philippines how did this come to your radar
4: well, uh, the short story is I lived there for over ten years, had seen quite a bit of poverty, but when I came across this tribe i uh, I was struck by the level of suffering especially the children had to endure. Uh, I, I think I need to explain uh, what the Bajau tribe is actually. There are over a million sea dwellers, Craig, in the Philippines uh, most. Uh, have been uh, fishermen, uh, and that is their culture, that is their tradition. However, because of the overfishing and the, the just the increasing number of people in the Philippines, fishing is no longer sustainable. And so this tribe that lives out over the water on stilt houses uh, really is unable to sustain themselves. And so um, we've established this effort to help children to get to school and this is a recognized need that the community has already discovered we're just coming alongside them and uh, helping them through that process
1: and the sad thing is you articulate they're largely unable to be able to care for themselves because replacement of income well this is not an easy thing to do now you're you're looking at throughout the entire archipelago i think over seven thousand islands a little over a third of those that are actually inhabited. And a lot of people think Philippines, and they think Manila, modern, big, huge cities. But the fact of the matter is that so much of the Philippines is more rural island communities that are basically essentially very self-sustaining, as the Bajo tribe was. Uh,
4: Historically, they have been, uh, until the last few decades. And um, so the situation is this. The children uh, have... No food at home, and often are resorting to begging on the streets for food for their survival uh, it, the The situation where they live in these huts that are over the water is is such that uh, sanitation is non existent and so these children are not in school when they 're not begging they 're playing underneath their huts well what 's underneath their huts but uh, human waste and so what made me uh, cry upon seeing this was was children walking through human waste, understanding that the, the communities that we're working in lose children, die annually, and uh, all, for, all for really nothing. And so um, we, we discovered there are many obstacles for children to get to school. And uh, so about eight years ago, we started a small effort to get just five kids into school. Now uh, we've just passed the 200 mark. And uh, a tribe that hadn't yet graduated a single high school student, we've been able to see uh, about 12 kids get through high school. And we have recently graduated the first ever Bajow kids through college, which was a real exciting milestone. If you imagine a community in 2018 that hadn't yet uh, graduated anyone from college, but Thank, thankfully, we um, we're making some headway.
1: I'm fascinated by not only the, the the rapid success that you've had, but also your sense of burden for all of this. Um, you you don't come at this necessarily from a relief worker's background, do you?
4: No, and this is really a holistic effort. I should say we we not just focus on providing educational opportunity, but really deliver uh, and empower the community to look after themselves spiritually, to have a sense of outreach. And um, I've been burdened by this, Craig, because I came to understand, I came to find out that aid groups and Christian groups, God bless them, have gone into these communities and have uh, been captivated by the level of poverty. They'll take photos and video, and maybe they'll leave something behind, maybe... have a meal for the kids but nothing was ever sustainable and when i encountered this tribe and went in there with my camera i'm a photographer uh i was challenged and they said are you going to be like all the other groups that have come in here and take their photos and make some promises and offer some prayers but then just go away because if that's if that's what you're going to do we've had enough of that and i walked away from that encounter in tears, just knowing that, you know, God is going to, God is burdening my heart to start something here. And, um, no other aid group is, is operating among these sea dwellers. And so, well, uh, with no background in starting anything like this, I a uh, a small beginning came about through our church here in Castro Valley. And, um, as I said, we, we started small and now we have over a hundred and Fifty monthly sponsorships uh, that are sponsoring over two hundred kids. So some people do sponsor more than one child, and uh, and we're seeing a tremendous change in the trajectory of these children's lives. So
1: this has really been a, a organic grassroots effort. You recognize the need, and it sounds like God really quickened this to your heart. Particularly, I mean, when, when you're faced with people that are in dire circumstances. And you, you come with the, the allure of wanting to help. And then the people that are in such desperate need recognize that, oh, we're just a photo op and nothing more. We're a great photographic moment that will go on next month's newsletter and then we're forgotten about. I mean, that that's a huge wake up call, I think, too, for the church uh, to recognize that these are real people with real needs and this is a real ministry opportunity that, in some respects, we've kind of spurned. And so you decided to do something entirely different about this.
4: Yes, and I, I was quick to, to learn up on some of the do's and don'ts. And, uh, you know, it, it has been a tradition that we, sometimes as Americans, would go in and try and solve problems and come in, come in with the solutions. And uh, I was quick to discover that, no, not, not if you don't want um, to be leave behind something that's going to be sustainable. And so what we do is when, when a tribe discovers, for example, that children are missing class because of a simple eye infection, which they have no medicine to pay f- for, uh, we we think through that problem with them and try to figure out a way in which the tribe can address this situation. And if there's a way in which we can benevolently come alongside them and, and provide some of that medicine, that's great. But we're not going to uh, be monitoring every small little issue in, in the lives of these families and try to solve them. We're coming alongside them, trying to empower them to come up with solutions on their own.
1: It really is equipping ministry then in that sense, that you come alongside... You provide some resources. Predominantly, you provide education, provide direction. And, you know, it's the old adage, you can give a man a fish and he eats for a day. You can teach him to fish. He eats for a lifetime. It sounds to me like your ministry, while, yes, it does feed some people fish, it really is more in the business of teaching people how to
4: fish. Absolutely. And the smart money, I should say, is on education. Uh, We could spend all of our funds on different issues to solve some of the problems in the community. But again, um, if we want to see this next generation become the problem solvers, uh, w- we really need to remove all of the obstacles that are in the way for kids to go to school. And so for, uh, for $20 a month, we put together a program that uh, removes all of those obstacles. And any, anything that's lacking in the child's life to get to school, such as their school uniform, most kids don't have shoes. We provide shoes. Uh, we come in with after-school tutorials, which I th- should say is maybe the most important thing that we do. You have to realize that tribes like this are about 95% illiterate with parents that have no ability whatsoever to help kids through their homework. And so we, we quickly realized that if we're going to do this, we need to do after-school tutorials, get these kids not just a education but a great Education.
1: And an education that will allow them to not only solve their own problems but eventually become self sustaining.
4: That's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, the whole idea here is to work ourselves out of a job. Uh, I would love nothing more than to have to shut this organization down uh... in the next five or ten years we'll see if we get there if uh... you know we can move on to another community that's marginalized but in all of the travels that i've done all of the time that i've spent in the philippines i've never come across poverty at this level in fact you know in in the past five years we've lost about six children in our organization when we come up with our annual annual budget we are now there is now a line item for funeral expenses for Mm -hmm. children It broke my heart to have to realize that we had to come up with money to to get kids to the cemetery. And just um, to illustrate that, a child uh, named Luella, an eight-year-old girl, uh, about a year ago, uh, struggled in the hospital. We were paying for all of her care. She had uh, just multitude of internal infections and parasites and really things that are beyond i can ever describe to you she passed away we were devastated obviously and the hospital says well you don't have money to to remove the body um here she is my program director uh, wrapped her body in the sheets at the hospital and put her in the back seat of her car and brought her to um, her home. And so it, it's, it's heartbreaking to have to see that despite our efforts, we're, we're still losing children. But we have to believe that um, with, with time and with uh, fighting this good fight, we're going to really see uh, a, a big turnaround in the future of the tribe.
1: And clearly, many hands make light the work. As more people discover what you're doing capture a vision a understanding of the burden and come alongside and partner with you uh... that will allow you to affect more lives improve the situations for more people and hopefully reverse some of the the most horrific aspects of the trends that you just spoke of. Stay yeah. with us, if you would, Dan, for another segment here. I want to go a little bit deeper as uh, you maybe are tuning in a bit late. We're here at the Bass Convention at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. Dan Johansson is with us today. He is the founder and president of Badjow Bridge Ministries. Information, by the way, available about this ministry on the web at Badjao. I'm going to spell that for you. It's B A D. J-A-O bridge, just like Oakland Bay Bridge dot O-R-G Bad Jow, B-A-D-J-A-O bridge dot O-R-G It has roots right here in the San Francisco Bay Area with with long tentacles reaching all the way across the Pacific into the Philippines It's an exciting ministry and and one that's unique because just that that sense of organic grassroots find a problem and come up with a solution to solve it in a very God-honoring way. We'll come back to more of our conversation with Dan Johansson. Right now, though, let's take a timeout, get you updated on some traffic, and the latest with Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael.